1: Welcome back to another episode of the Mountain West Insider Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Dosser. I got Jeff Goodman with me. We got a loaded show today, folks. We're going to be hearing from Leon Rice here in just a couple of minutes. And we also have an interview with Richard Bettina that we recorded for uh, After Dark on Saturday night. That interview ended up going about 18 minutes long, and we only needed about four minutes for After Dark. So we have plenty of extra content to share with you guys that has never been heard before. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We talked with Richard about his dad, we talked about his team getting a big big win against San Diego State, and we talked about John Fantas' prediction that New Mexico is going to the Final Four. It was fun. Richard's always fun. Leon's always fun. That's part of the reason why we like this league so much. There are a lot of very enjoyable coaches to talk to. Um, Speaking of enjoyable, the first thing we got to talk about here, point blank period, Jeff. Utah State won a game with a five-point play. For the people that didn't see it, there was a a three-pointer was hit while the ball was in the air. Uh, Utah State was down four, a three-pointer was made while the ball was in the air. Uh, there was a foul committed on the rebound. So Utah State got two free throws. Both of them went in. 87-86, the Aggies end up winning, and they stay undefeated in the Mountain West standings. I've never seen anything like that before, ever in my life.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen – I mean, I've seen five-point plays like that, but not to win a game. And, and gray Osborne steps up to the line, and I think he's both of our new favorite players, by the way. Uh, we, we We both – after that interview last week, man – uh, I love the kid. I love the kid. He's fun to talk to. Uh, breath of fresh air. He drains two threes for the game on the line that honestly, you know, will be huge for this this team and this program going forward because, you know, it just gives him a big uh, – another win, a, a road win, a quality win. And, again, you just don't know what could happen if you lose that game. How does this team react uh, to, to that loss? You're going to need all you can get. Uh, the league's obviously done an incredible job so far, having you know five teams right now, five, six, six teams in the top 50 in both Kempom and the net, um, which is more than uh, a lot of other of the so-called power leagues right now. Um, so we picked the right time to start this uh, podcast because the league's been absolutely awesome so far.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing is, to, and tell me if you agree with this, right? I, I feel like there is a discrepancy in the way That the public at large views the Mountain West versus some of the other conferences, right? And I feel like the conference as a whole doesn't get the credit that it deserves when it comes to how difficult it is to win on the road in places like UNLV, which may not actually be a top half team in the Mountain West. As crazy as it sounds, the team that beat Creighton in their own building by 15 might be the seventh best team in the Mountain West. Um, how tough it is to win at Air Force, how tough it is to go and deal with Tim Miles. Tim Miles has played San Diego State down to one possession, and he was up by nine in the second half on Boise State earlier this year, right? And I hope people realize that just because the Mountain West doesn't get the same kind of respect nationally that it deserves as a league like the Pac-12 does, for example, That just because a team loses on the road, it shouldn't negate the way that we view how good that team is. And when you go out and do something like what Utah State did or what Boise State did over the weekend and win a big game on the road against some of these teams, you got to get the credit you deserve. You got to get the plaudits for it.
2: The key for these teams, the top six, is not losing the bottom three Mm -hmm. this year. That's going to be the key is, you know, the numbers for Fresno, for Air Force, for even Wyoming you know, they're they're low right now. So really, if you lose to anybody else, it is not going to hurt you much. You know, even what San Jose right now is uh, in the mid, like 160. Okay, so you can lose to anybody else and it's not going to hurt you. But if you lose to one of those bottom three, that's where I think you're going to fall off numbers-wise. And that's what you have right now. You know, you have strong numbers for all six of these schools. Um, So I, I think ultimately there's got to be a big separation in order to get all six in and, and that's what you want right now if you're the mountain west you're saying man if we can get six in and and, and again we'll talk to leon about this here in a minute how important would that be again when the pac 12 is going to be struggling to get four or Pac-12 five
1: might be a one week. big league this year jeff it might be a one big league and and i will say this if we're talking about the best 68 teams and what would in theory be this best 32 out larges. I will be shocked if, the five at largest, the six teams coming from the Mountain West are not better than a lot of those other teams, right? On paper, if you watch them they, actually play, if you know what yeah. you're looking at, like the, the the quality of play in this conference is very, very, very high. And it's not. I'm not just saying this because we're doing a Mountain West podcast, right? The, no, it's
2: been great this year. You, they have listen. two
1: potential first-team All-Americans. Here's how wild it is. Let me put this into perspective, right? They have two potential first-team All-Americans right now in Isaiah Stevenson, and Jaden And I think you could very – I don't want to say very easily, but I think you can make an argument that Donovan Dent has been uh, better than Isaiah Stevens in certain aspects this year, and you could probably make an argument that great Osborne is more important to his team than Jane Ladee is. That's how wild it is. They have two first-team All-Americans that, you know, maybe they're not the best at their position in the conference.
2: Yeah, listen, again, loaded, good coaches, good teams, great storylines. I mean, again, Utah State. Danny Sprinkle not having one player returning who scored a point for the Aggies last year. Like, amazing. Richard Patino, who I questioned his hire because, you know, again, I just didn't know if it would work in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he had never been and didn't have any recruiting ties. Um, obviously, we know Dutch. We know Leon. They've been in the league for a long time. But, you know, Steve Alford, I, I didn't know he'd end up doing this this year. All right, so I, yeah, this, this league's great. Uh, looking forward to, and let's just get to it now, Rob. Let's just get to the Leon Rice interview right now. Boise State head coach. He's kind of a godfather of the league. He's been around forever. And uh, we'll have some fun
0: with him too. Trust me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Now, let me welcome on to the Mountain West Insider Podcast, none other than Leon Rice, the head coach of the Boise State men's basketball team, who is currently sitting at 3-0 in the Mountain West standings, uh, a half game out of first place uh, behind Utah State, coming off of a couple of big wins over the course of the last week, beating Colorado State and then going on the road and taking down Nevada. Uh, Leon, I want to start you with this you guys started out two and three against division one teams this season. And since then you've reeled off eight of your last nine. What, what has changed for you guys in this run? Is it just a matter of getting confidence? Is it just a matter of being on the the right side of where the ball bounces? Uh, How have you guys improved in the last month or so?
4: Well, I think there's a lot of layers to that. Number one, uh, it starts out a lot of times with who you play when you play them. And, you know, we had a gauntlet that we ran and, You know, people know we had San Francisco here and then we went to Clemson and then we were, you know, we were in Orlando for three quality games. And then, you know, we came back off that and we were greeted with St. Mary's in North Texas. Uh, St. Mary's on a neutral in North Texas is a heck of a team. And I mean, that that little stretch there, it it maybe not doesn't have the top five teams or that. But. It had a lot of great teams and a lot of tough places and and uh, a lot of travel and so you know there's that to factor into it. Then then you have we have three of our main guys that are new to the program and transfers and and I think there's a, always a growth period in that and um, you know I think they've they've all come together in this stretch you know with the experience of those close games because what playing good competition does is it exposes things you need to get better at and those got exposed and um we got better at them when you have high character kids that want to be coached and want to learn want to stay together you can you can you know we call it the valley of death you can go through a valley of death with which every team goes through at some point and the ones that can come out on the other side better are because you don't know how long those are going to go and you know you can go for a season it can go for three games it can go for 10 games but uh, you got to get through it, and if you can get through it better, it, it makes you a lot, uh, a lot better team down the road.
2: Hey, what what did you know about Omar Stanley uh, before you got him in the portal? How well did you know him? What was the hook, and how good, how important has he been over these last you know few weeks, especially?
4: Huge and. You know, I think the the thing that jumped out at me is uh, what a great kid he is and, and how hungry he was to be coached. And when you look at the improvement of the guys that have transferred here and why they improved, number one, we're so committed to it. We have a roadmap for each individual and uh, you know where it can go to and how it can end for them in such a great way. But it's always about the team. And if when you get good guys that want to get better, want to be coached, that's where it starts. You can't make somebody better if they don't want to be coached. And he was so hungry to do it. And and then he also settled in to figuring out how our system where he best fits in, how we can get him shots. And then it just took time for our guys to get used to playing together. There there was some of that. And um, but. You know, I give Omar a ton of credit, man. He comes in hungry every single day and we spend a ton of time together watching film and, um, you know, because you got to learn a new language, really, when you come to a new program. And um, so I think uh, he deserves so all the athletes he's getting right now and the, and the team loves him. And, um, you know, he's just been such a great
1: fit. Leon, when we talked at media day, one of the things that you and your guys were excited about was getting Tyson a chance to move back down to more of the, the four role. And obviously Omar's uh, kind of helped facilitate that, right? In the last five games, he's averaging 19.8 points and 8.8 boards, which uh, according to my sources, is pretty good. Um, so <laughs> yes. have you, obviously Tyson has kind of been Tyson this season, right? How have you seen that dynamic working out and how has, has it lived up to, What your excitement level was when we talked three months ago?
4: Yeah. But you know, you just Tyson's so consistent that, you know, I think fans get bored with it and don't (laughs) acknowledge how great, you know, he gets like 20 and 10 or 20 and nine the other night. And, and it's like, Oh, oh, um, no, that was a heck of a a heck of a performance on the road against a great defensive team. And they know him. And so you know when you have somebody that that just is night in night out day in day out back good you don't want to take it for granted and but the not only um bringing in omar but cam cam has been a huge addition and Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys know the story but he's playing with a bad shoulder and you know so he's had to go through uh A toughness test almost where it's like okay you're still really valuable to this team you're still an important part you're you're an old head you can help mentor these big guys you've been through a lot you you know he he was at kansas when they cut down the nets and Mm -hmm. no so he's got all this experience and a wealth of knowledge and he kind of had to get at peace with you know when an athlete's body doesn't do the things that it used to do or uh, doesn't do the things he knows he can do it can be really really frustrating for him and so you know we've helped i think we've helped him through that and now he's embracing this great role is almost uh i told him hey you got to be bill walton when he went to the celtics you know that
2: uh <laughs> he was it. like who,
3: who? Yeah,
4: exactly no doubt no, he had to google it for him and show him but <laughs> you know, he's, he brings so much to the, to that group and you need, you know, like in in football talk, you need a, a really good nucleus of bigs in the big room, you know, and uh, he's so valuable to that. And, and it's so neat to see a kid, you know, I mean, this guy was a division two, all American scored 25 points a game, all the he, he can score and he, but it's so neat to see him embrace the tough circumstances and hey, they are what they are. And I'm going to make the best out of it. And it's going to make him a better player. It's going to, you know, but when he transferred here, this is not what he envisioned, but it's a, it's a testimony to his uh, character and his toughness that he's still helping the team. You know, a lot of kids would just opted out and had surgery and gone on their merry way, you know uh, but what he's doing is pretty special and and should be noted to, you know, the fans and all these people that don't, you know, we're singing about Omar. We're talking about Tyson and Cam's play. It was playing at that level with those guys. And, you know, he still has huge value to this team. He's playing at a at a high level doing other things. So uh, it's pretty neat to see those three working together and, and Mo in that room, too. Listen,
2: I I still think what's neat is watching you with with your kid, with Max. And Mm -hmm. I know it's been a long time here and the end is near. I mean, the end is near. I don't know if you thought about this, but like I don't think he's got another season, does he? I think this is it.
4: He, he, uh, you know, he and Mark have a special relationship, Coach View, and Mark calls it the 50% rule because Max will just say things and just makes them up all the time like, The media asked him, "Well, what are you going to do next year?" He's like, "I don't know. I'm thinking about coming back for another year." I'm like, "What? Are you just making stuff up?" I'm pretty sure you don't have another year, but
3: you know, this day and age
4: with the NCAA rules, who knows? We could probably never know. him in, and
2: and just what? What's like? Tell me about kind of your relationship with him when it started, when he came into the program, and 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 now, and how you guys have kind of grown together as his career and as he's become a really big piece of this program. And I don't, it just, it amazes me again, uh, because the one thing I was always told, Leon was listen, take your son. If he's going to be the best player or the worst player, well, your son is in between. He's not the best player. He's he's one of them. He's certainly not the worst player. We know that. How, how has that been as a challenge to try to figure
4: out? Yeah, it's been a huge challenge. And, you know, because it, it you go back to the very start of it, and you know you, there always is the murmurings and the whispers behind your back, as far as oh, the only reason he got to go play at Boise State is because his dad and this and that, and and Max, man, he's a he's a uh, amazing competitor, and he hated that. That drove him, and so it really did. You know, at the start of his career here. You've heard the story. I call him Twelve because I didn't call him Max. Yeah. You know, we didn't want to be father son on the court, and so he really almost avoided me all the time. And and I let the assistants handle him a lot. And you know, the the then you flash forward, he just got better and better and better. And I was probably underplaying him. And and it's you know, in hindsight, it's good it happened that way because. You know, we'd walk around town and people would tell me, like, what are you doing, coach? You need to play 12 more. You need to play 12 more. And they were serious. They wanted to win. Yep. And so yep. one time I had my assistants, you know, we were struggling a little bit. And I asked my assistants, what's our record when we play max more than 20 minutes? And it was like 20 and two. And I'm like, I- I'm the worst coach in the history of basketball. <laughs> I'm a dumbass. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, we made the change and, and, um, he was a big part of that change and, and you play winners, you get wins. It, it's pretty simple. And, you know, he provides an energy and a leadership and a toughness and a, you know, he's a great example to those other uh, guys about unselfishness and do anything, anything to win. And um, that's what he brings to this table uh, and this team. And, you know, I got to tell you this story. It's really cool. I got a text from Bob McKillop who coached his son and you know, we've gotten to know each other over the years on the Nike trip and, you know, the, those friendships that you forge on those trips are so valuable. And he reached out to me and sent me a heartfelt text. and It was a long, long text about how one of his biggest regrets that he didn't publicly praise his, his son and he didn't do it in front of the team because you're afraid that, you know, oh, it's his kid. That's why he's singing that praises. And he said that was one of the biggest regrets that he had in coaching and he said i hope you find it and when i read it man i was like uh, it's exactly what i did i would never do it in front of the team because you know i'd have one of the assistants praise him if he needed praises but i would never do it i would never do it with the media and when i got that text i was like well he's earned it i mean he's an all-conference player in the mountain West, and yeah. has helped us in all these wins he's i would do it for any other kid. so why wouldn't i do it for him and and it, it, that's been really, really a game changer for us because now- Yeah,
2: you can exhale. You can, you're can you not worried anymore, right? You're not worried about how you, you coach know. him anymore. You don't think about it.
4: No, and, and no, absolutely not. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, because he's earned other, you know, one of the Marcus Shaver said in front of the team one time, he's like, you know, I have so much respect for Max because he's earned every second out there way more than any of us did, you know? So there was never that. He, the, he's playing because he's the coach's kid. No, he got underplayed. Hey, you
2: know, are you gonna and, cry? Are you gonna cry on senior night, or is he gonna? Who's more likely to cry? Not, not your wife, but like out of you or Max, who's more likely to cry?
4: Uh, yeah, Max wouldn't. <laughs> Max wouldn't. <laughs> but, but you know, we had a senior night last year, uh, and and so we already went through back. the motion yeah. of it once. And and you know, the, the tough thing is these senior nights are huge games. So right. it's you got to keep your emotions in a box on those nights. And uh, I guess we can cry at the banquet or something like that. But no, it's uh, but, you know, that that I, I'm so grateful for Bob to give me that perspective. And and there's the stuff he said about, you know, there's nobody that cared more than his son about Davidson basketball. There was nobody that, And what he sure. would do for the front of that jersey. And, you know, Max has been in this program basically 14 years since I've been here. Cause we moved here. He was going into sixth grade. And so he was, you know, he knew what was going on and he always wanted to be a player in this program. He wanted to be, he didn't want to just be on the team. He wanted to be a player. And uh so it, it's been a great journey. It's a tough one. It's hard. It's hard on those kids. It's hard on the families. And, you know, we made a rule. We can, we can talk about basketball at home around the dinner table, you know, about max and playing time and this and that, or we can talk about everything else, but we can't go back and forth. So we we don't, you know, in those tough times, we didn't really, you know, and I'm so shallow, there's not many things I can talk about other than basketball. I can talk about football. So that was about all we would talk about, maybe. But uh it, it was, you know, and Rob and my wife helped him, helped us both through it. And you know, but it was a, it's a great journey. We wouldn't, you know, the interesting thing too, is when I started it, I called all the guys, you know, Alford, man, the Alford's have been amazing. in the texts and, you know, uh, our wives talk about it because they, they went through a lot and, you know, Bryce never got the credit for what a heck of a player he was. Great player. All he got was just rain, you know, it all rained down on him. And, and, you know, so they went through it on a, national level with the spotlight on them and that was tough and you know they've been great mentors and just so you know gracious and um you know it it just people like that in this business don't get the credit and and they do so many amazing things for other people that that we're grateful for that
1: Leon, one of my favorite stories that that you've told is uh is back when adam Moore, when you were an assistant at gonzaga and, and adam morrison was on the team what you used to do is make up stories about what you heard people in the student yeah. section say what you heard uh written in the newspaper or on a broadcast or something like that just to get them riled up because adam was wound a certain way that we all all understand who is the guy on this boise state team that you need to make up stuff about to try to get them fired up a little bit to give them a little uh you know a little fire in their bed give them a little bit of an edge
4: oh oh that probably would be Max. You know, he loves that what do you stuff. say? What do you make up? Yeah. Oh, you know, sometimes I'll just like the daddy's boy stuff, you know, the, <laughs> the, the only reason you play is that <laughs> oh, he gives me the look. So, but no, he's just such a fierce competitor. You know, I can't tell those stories right now because I'll tell them after he's gone because I don't want him to know I make them <laughs> up. So, yeah. And he probably knows he's pretty smart and darn it, they can fact check everything. But, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'll push those buttons down and I'll tell those stories down the road so I, I don't give away my secrets.
2: All right. So we are in the process, I don't know if I told you, of putting together a coaches pickleball uh, tournament. Yeah. Got the final four. Okay. Um, I want to know number one, how many times a week you play, if you're in, and then I want the order right now of the former Gonzaga group. Like, give me best to worst of all you.
4: Well, the great thing about, okay, first of all, I got to know. Yeah, I'm in for sure.
2: You're in. Good. We got a exactly. commitment, Rob. We got one.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. But I told you that it's a contingent commitment. I told you why. And yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the great thing about pickleball, it's everybody thinks they're the best. I mean, we, I played with, guys that are terrible and they think they're so good it's crazy so each one of us will rank each other rank themselves number one they'll rank number one and i i just the one thing that i'm going to have to have though and i need a commitment out of this i'm going to have to have like like it's the u.s open uh tennis or wimbledon we got to have a guy sitting in a tower and we got to have line judges because one of the guys i play with his vision is so bad and his line call
2: will cheat. if if i just left it up to fewie and there was no line judge and it's you against fewie singles
4: will he cheat we don't play singles we always play doubles but i know
2: but if you had to if it's just you and fewie and he doesn't have a partner out there is he cheating about the call if like game point and it's
4: close I will not. Uh, I will not throw him under the bus. I will just request it. All you have to do is ask AJ Few, who plays with him all the time, and he'll give you the correct answer on that. And and Mark will turn it back and say, "No, it's Leon." No, and I turn it back onto him. And I, I, you know, that guy, you know, he's. I've learned a lot uh, from him, and he, he's salt of the earth guy. He's the most generous guy. He's the most, you know, he comes from. His his dad was a Presbyterian minister for fifty four years, and he's salt of the earth. So there, he can't be doing it on purpose. His his vision just must be so awful. That's what it is because he's too upstanding of an individual to to call all those bad calls that he calls.
1: All right, this is the last one I got for you, Leon. the uh, The longest home court winning streak in Division One. Do you know who uh, who holds that title right now?
4: Well, I I guess it's us
1: yeah it is 22 games i believe and i just want to know what is it that makes uh makes that building so difficult to win in for for road teams
4: well first of all we're getting great crowds and great support now and and you know it's been a long process and when i took this job i think we opened you know exhibition game against montana tech and like i said i had three boys and we all go to they all come to the first game and we're leaving gonzaga and we came out for that first exhibition and you could have fired a cannon in any direction and you wouldn't have hit anyone. And I could just see my boys like looking around, like, what have you done taking this job? You know, we left Gonzaga's atmosphere in this. And I said to him, I said, guys, just, just wait, wait, how great, wait till you see this thing fall and, and the people behind it. And, you know, cause I knew they had done that in football and, and I knew, you know, if we provided the wins and the good product, they will come and it, it's happened and it takes a long time. You know, people forget that Mark has been at Gonzaga for like 35 years. He was an assistant there a long, long time. You know, it doesn't get built overnight and it's brick by brick. And, you know, the benefit of staying somewhere this long is I get to see that. I get to see all these alumni coming back. I get to see a full place that we all take pride in and um. It's a credit to this community. It's a credit to our administration now too. They're doing things that hadn't been done for me before, and um, it's making a huge difference. But you, you can't have a good program without a good home court, and that was the number one thing I knew we needed to build. But uh, you know, success is never linear. You, you, it's go up and down, and up and down. But it, you keep fighting and keep trying to get better. Uh, that's that's what you're seeing now. And Now we're sold out most of the time, especially on these league games and. Uh, it's provided great energy for our guys and made it a tough place to play.
2: I got one more for you. Uh, you've been in this league a long time. Right now, you got six teams in the top 50 of the net and Ken Palm. How do you compare this league to when it was really rolling You know, 10, 10, 12 years ago when you were getting four, five, six teams in the tournament?
4: Right. And that's right when we moved into the league from the WAC and I was like, uh, you know, I remember calling my buddies up at gun tag and like, uh, I will never win a game. We will never win a game in this league. It was so good. Everyone. And, you know, like I said, it's been a long grind. And I, I the thing that jumps out at me is I think the teams are, you know, number one, you got a bunch of veteran guys. You, you got grad, grad, grad. You got fifth year guys. You got seniors, you know, and guys that have been in the league like Isaiah Stevens, Black Shear, guys like that. You know, those two come to my mind because we just played them. But these teams are clicking and they're clicking as teams because you got great coaches. And so these great coaches have been able to keep these guys together a little bit, their nucleus. And, you know, I'm seeing, you know, a bunch of teams that are maybe greater than the sum of their parts. I mean, we've had years where you're like going, looking around the league going, oh, that guy's a first round pick and that guy's a pick and that guy's first pick in the draft and that guy, you know, on and on and on. I'm not, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I haven't been through the whole league yet to see them up close and personal, but I do know the teams, man, they're, they're, they're so well coached. They're playing together. They're doing all the things that it takes to win. They're unselfish. All, all that has, has certainly jumped out at
1: me. Well, listen, Leon, we appreciate the time. Uh, we're enjoying this run that you guys are on and hopefully you keep it up. We got to get you back on at some point again, this season. So appreciate, appreciate you being. guys. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh Great to talk to you guys, and uh, you know, keep that on the down low. I never said Mark was a bad a line caller. <laughs> I, I just said, he knew "Oh, it. trust
2: you know, me I, that that quote that quote <laughs> is getting to him." And, and if we <laughs> have to fabricate it, we will fabricate it. And just, he'll
4: come right back and say it's me. And that's uh, that's why we like to be on each other's team. But even then, we complain to each other. Like,
2: but, I, I'm just going to say that you said you carry him when you play together.
4: Uh, no, know it, it goes back and forth. We're both uh, we both have our strengths and weaknesses, no doubt. All right, right. thanks, Leon. All right, guys, appreciate it.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
3: We now welcome in the head coach of the New Mexico Lobos. Richard Petino, is with us after his Lobos beat 19th-ranked San Diego State earlier today 88 88- To 70. But, but Richard, before we ask you questions, I believe you might have a question for me.
5: Yeah, I just don't know if you drink a lot, um, you know, day drink or whatever. But I did see something early in the year about you picking us going to the final four. And I said, I got to get to this guy. So I'm happy to finally meet you and um, wonder what the hell's wrong with you.
3: (laughs) Hey. I don't. I didn't look. I didn't look like an idiot today. That's for sure. Your team's fourteen and three. What stood out to you the most in this win over the Aztecs?
5: You know, we Jalen House missed. I think eight or nine games. Jamal Master Jr. missed eight or nine games in the non-conference. We were able to hold serve, um, but we haven't really had a night where those two guys were what they were last year. And tonight, certainly, you know, Jalen House twenty-six points. Match for 19 points. It just felt a little bit like last year. It was kind of a bummer that we weren't able to build that early, but we need those guys to hit shots. Uh, JT Toppin, I mean, the guy The guy has 17.16 rebounds and is 1 for 10 from the free throw line. Um, so we competed our butt off. The biggest thing we did was we were plus 10 on the glass where a team is bigger and stronger than we are.
1: Yeah, uh, Richard, I wanted to ask you about JT because I, I don't know if – that many people expected this kind of uh, impact from him coming in as a freshman in the Mountain West. Um, and it wasn't just tonight. He's averaging, was it 13-8 and eight this season in the defensive presence? Did you see this coming from him in
5: the offseason? Now, we really liked him. We did. We we saw him um, in recruiting in his high school senior year. We thought we got a steal, but you never know until they get on a campus and they're going against, you know, division one players uh I didn't think he'd be as productive as he's been I thought he'd be kind of a gradually go but I mean he was one of the best bigs on the court versus an older team so mm-hmm. you know we 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 really liked him but to say that I thought he'd be this good so soon uh would probably be a bit of an exaggeration but I I think he can be uh, as good as he wants to be he's he just fills a stat sheet 17.16 rebounds in five blocks. Uh, on national tv as a freshman is pretty good uh true or false that you are jt
2: Toppin's uh free throw shooting coach
5: (laughs) man that was unbelievable you know we we've been him and nelly jr joseph have not been good i asked him he's at my house right now we have a recruit over i said were you horrible in high school he goes no i was really really good so (laughs) we'll, we'll uh we'll work on it but um I don't think I've ever seen that where you play so well and go one for ten from the free throw line. Hope he doesn't beat himself up over it for sure. Hey, I I said going into this game that
2: I thought this was kind of your Super Bowl this year and and it could really change your entire season. We know what you guys did early last year and then you didn't end up making the NCAA tournament. Obviously, getting a win like this uh, against a program that, again, has so much respect nationally, what does it do? Not just for your resume, but maybe for the program psyche, for your confidence, of your players.
5: Yeah, I think you brought up last year. I think there was this little bit of a cloud of, oh, is this going to happen again? Um, because we started off so great, you know, and and it, it. I don't think any of us thought we'd be so good so early in year two, but I definitely thought there was a little bit of that feeling amongst our fans and in the air. So it was great to get a decisive win like this because In our three losses, now the St. Mary's game, Nellie Jr. Joseph had just gotten here. Jalen House didn't play. But the two losses in conference, although we were able to come back, like we were down double digits in those games. So it's not so much the shame of losing on the road in conference because it's hard to win those games. It was the way that we lost that was so frustrating. Um, So you hate to say as a coach that it is a must win, but it certainly felt like we needed to take advantage of this opportunity and stack some good quality wins like this one.
1: Yeah. Richard, when you look at the Mountain West, heading into conference play when it started, the conversation was, we got New Mexico. We got Colorado State. Uh, we got Nevada out here rolling. Um, we have San Diego State just coming off of Final Four. And you look up today, and the two teams that are in first place are Utah State and Boise State. Well, What does it say about how difficult this league is?
5: You know, I really believe... It's not quite there yet, but it could be the West Coast equivalent to the Big East. Now, we have football. Big East does not have football. Um, But there's a lot of programs that really, really care. And and you kind of brought up, like, Boise State played the toughest schedule in the non-conference of anyone in our league. So they may have some losses, but Dagenhart could play anywhere in the country. He's really, really good. Um, The venues – I I believe ours, when it's good, is one of the best in the country. Like I don't think it's any close, but San Diego State's terrific. Utah State, the job that Danny Sprinkle is doing uh, with losing as many guys as he did is phenomenal. Utah State's really, really hard to play. So I think there's some programs with some stability. Nico Medved's done an amazing job. He's been there a while. Steve Alford's been at Nevada now for a couple years. He's building something special. So it's continuity more than anything. Um, Obviously – Brian Dutcher has been there for a long time as an assistant head coach. But I do believe if we continue to improve as a conference, there's no, especially now with the PAC 12 kind of breaking down, why we can't be like the big East in the West. All and why I say that is I really believe all the schools like San Diego States had the most success, but all the schools are pretty similar for the most part. The jobs are pretty similar. And I look at the big East the same way. I mean, you could argue one through eight, what are the best jobs? And everybody would probably give a different answer.
2: All right. I'm going to give you a quote from a coach today, another coach around the country. And I want your thoughts on this quote. It was really insightful. I mean, a truly an insightful quote that I think you'll really enjoy. Some
5: type of setup going on right now, but I'm waiting. Go ahead.
2: I don't feel good when we lose. I effing hate the world. Just so you understand that, no, I don't feel good. I don't believe in those valiant efforts in the road. I feel like I want to kill myself, jump in the cold, and die of frostbite. (laughs) First of all, can you guess what head coach said that earlier today?
5: Yeah, tad extreme at the end there. That turned dark quickly. That cold weather up there in the upper Midwest can get him. Uh, I experienced it for eight years. I think more... Here's what I'll say about my dad. And, and I truly do, but one of his greatest qualities, and I worked for him for three years, he gets everybody to hate losing so bad. The trainer will be going up to the players, like, come on, man, we can't lose tonight. Don't ruin this for everybody. Like, like everybody, the managers, he builds such a, and I don't, I don't do this because it's just I don't want to be miserable, right? So I'm like, he he can live through that. Um, but he creates a culture where you despise winning. It's never a, boy, guys, we almost won at Creighton. Like, it never is that. So I don't know who they play next. Uh, I got a
3: feeling, though, they'll be hungry and ready to go. Well, they've got a, a road test at Seton Hall, who's in first place in the Big East next on Tuesday night. I, I do want to ask you, going back to your group and, and how special your team is, give America the best Jalen house story that you've got
5: man he is a unique unique one and I don't know if people truly know because we haven't played a game like we have tonight um when I say high energy when I say he relishes being the bad guy we won at San Diego State last year he had 28 points I swear to God he loves wrestling. He was turning it into like he was this villain and there's 12,000 people screaming at him. He loves every single second of it. And the amazing thing about Jalen is he is an introvert off the court. He's like a performer on the court and he just loses his mind. And sometimes our fans get a little bit frustrated with him. And I, I, I told Brian Dutcher when I walked up the court at halftime because Jalen was you know, doing an and one right in his face. And I'm yelling at him to stop doing that. And I, I apologize to Coach Dutcher. And he, he put his arm around and said, I wouldn't mind having him on my team tonight. And that's just the type of player that he is. So he is, um, he's fearless. He is tough. He, he he's, um, he's about as dynamic a player that probably people don't know about.
2: All right, I, I got one final uh, thing to end this on. And that is, there's a little bit of a, of a tiff going on between two big East head coaches right now a little sparring little uh, verbal spat uh, between the guy at St. John's and the guy at UConn who who are you siding with there
5: you know Jeff if you're going to ask all the Rick Pitino questions why don't you have him on the show and not me right Rob I mean no no me.
2: I <laughs> I wanted I wanted you on that one by the way by the way I haven't talked to you since
3: me and your dad have made up. There was That's no, great. I believe it, it really was weighed you on me. Greatly. Yeah. You were really worried. You went to bed at night thinking this will never correct itself. So the this funny
5: part about it, Richard's is, fault. Yeah, no, it's not Blinded on you. The funny <laughs> part about it is Danny Hurley, who I consider a friend. I don't know if he's a close friend by any means, but Kamani young is one of my best friends in this world. So I kind of love getting in the middle of all this and being from <laughs> afar and trying to stir it up a little bit. Uh, I I don't know the whole backstory of it. The Northeast corridor up there, everybody fights with everybody all the time. I don't know if it's the traffic or the cold weather. Uh, so I always get a side with family, but I talked to commodity today. and We laugh about it all the time.
3: Uh, it, you know, you, you faced Iona. Is New Mexico open to facing St. John's in a potential series of some sort? Since the Mountain West and Big East are so similar, as you said, would the Lobos be interested in the Garden and maybe a game, return game to the Pit?
5: It was funny. This year, um, my dad gave me a date, said, it's done. We're going to play December 21st. And I said, let's do it. And as that happened, Bob Walsh, who I worked with at Providence College, texted me on the side. He goes, your dad doesn't know the dates. That date is not available for St. John, for the garden. (laughs) So I would be open to it. I mean, it's a little annoying with the media, no offense to you guys, but you get asked a lot of questions and those things. But if, uh, if, if my athletic director provides a uh, private plane, I will gladly go up there. I think it would be great for our players. Uh, It would be great for our fans. And, We have struggled with scheduling, so it would be something where it could be a quality win for sure. So I would do it, a quality win opportunity uh, for sure. But I'd love to do it.
2: You call it a quality win. Just call it a quality (laughs) win.
5: Already called it. Yeah, easy game.
3: (laughs) Quality win on the other side, someone who would apparently jump into the Hudson River if he loses. I don't
5: want to be responsible for him uh, ending his life this late (laughs) in his career. (laughs)
3: That's Richard Pitino. Richard? I'm not changing anything on my predictions. Keep it rolling at 14 and 3. Best of luck the uh, the rest of the year and I'll, maybe I'll see a psychiatrist in 2024.
5: Thank you. Yes, yeah, CBI final 4. We will be there. Thank you. <laughs>